Good, mo- uh, good evening, and welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. My name is Nick Strobel. I am the pastor of Student Ministries here. And I'm Frank Eshman. I am the Life Care Pastor. Good evening, everyone. And I mean, as a church, we have been walking through for the past few weeks a series called Seven, and we've been talking about seven key areas of our lives as believers, where if we focus on those seven key areas, we really do see our ability to leave a godly legacy increase. And what we have said is that everyone can leave a godly legacy by following Jesus in seven key areas of life. There's things everybody can do. Um, These are areas that we all can look to Christ and say, what does the word of God tell me about this? And how does that affect the way I impact the people around me? Tonight, we're specifically going to look at the area of health. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to the word of God and look and see that in the word of God, we are told by scripture that everyone should be good stewards of their health because we are called to glorify God with our bodies. And I think a lot of the times we can hear something like health and say, man, why are we talking about health at church? If I wanted to talk about health, I would have stayed home. I would have watched Dr. Oz and I would have kept my pajamas. All right. Like, why are we talking about health in church? I don't understand that. And listen, that's not really a, a new struggle. The church has kind of had this issue with physical things kind of being spiritualized for a long time, right? So what does it look like for us to begin to view our health as a spiritual issue? I think it's very easy for us to quickly look at health and say, man, that's junior varsity, that's B-team spirituality. I I, I just want to go deeper with God. I don't need health. And the problem with that is the Bible. Uh, Man, to say that you want to go deeper with God and not worry about your health is kind of like saying you want to drive a car, but you're not really concerned about putting gas in it. Because our health is a spiritual issue. It's right there in Scripture. In fact, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 19 and 20. We're going to look and see what the Word of God says about our bodies. Uh, man, if you do not have a Bible, we have some in the back for you on some tables. We would love for you to just go ahead and grab one of those. If you don't have one, take it home with you. That's our gift to you. But we love the Word of God. We believe that it shapes us here, and we want you to have it in front of you. So, man, if you want to take a minute, grab a Bible and join us in 1 Corinthians Where Paul writes, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. What Paul does here is very quickly frames our health and our body in two ways. And that is he gives us a purpose and ownership with our bodies. And that's the grid we want to look at this through. Our our bodies aren't our own, right? Just like a temple belongs to God, our body belongs to God. I'm going to treat Frank's stuff differently than mine, right? Because it's Frank's. I respect him. It's his. It's on loan. I want to take good care of it. I'm going to drive Frank's car a little bit more carefully than my own, and not just because yours costs more than mine. But how much more do I want to take care of something that was given to me by God? Okay, so our bodies have an ownership. It's not ours. The second thing he sets up for us is purpose. What's the purpose of a temple? To glorify and celebrate God. If our body's like a temple, then the purpose of our body is to glorify and celebrate God. And Frank, I think when we set ourselves up to look at health through that grid of ownership and purpose, it begins to redefine why health is a spiritual issue. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Nick. You know, the fact of the matter is that the choices we make determine the legacy that we're going to leave. Not only is uh, this important in the areas, the other areas that we've discussed leading up to tonight, it's... It's also important in the area of health. You know, just like finance, like work, our relationships, godly legacy through choices in our, uh, uh, in our health is, is vitally important. You know, uh, Nick, when Paul wrote this passage, I know that he was 
dealing with a number of issues in the church at that time. And this passage comes right on the tail of a discussion about sexual purity. But the fact of the matter is this passage sets a foundation for us uh, that can, can show us a grid for making choices concerning our, our body. And it's this. God created it. Jesus died for it. The Holy Spirit lives in it. Shouldn't we care for it? You know, we've all got a tremendous amount to be thankful for. Speaking health-wise, we have more opportunity today than we ever have had. We have more access to knowledge, more access to technology. The reality is, though, that we live in a broken world, and we're broken people. That reality is especially important when it comes to our health. I know that some of you are in uh, poor health circumstances, even though you have made godly choices concerning that. But what is true, no matter the circumstances that you find yourself in, whether your health is a direct result of your choices or in spite of your health choices, what we do to and with our body either honors or dishonors God. I believe the scripture shows us that there really is no in-between. It's either God-honoring or it dishonors God. Nick, we should look at four areas. This subject of health is so big. Let's, let's drill it down to four areas, and let's start with nutrition. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. I think nutrition is a key area when we look at our health because what we put into our bodies is going to affect a lot about our bodies. And, man, I think in a lot of ways recently we've almost become immunized to the effect that what we put on our bodies has on them um, as food has become more about accessibility, um, cost-effectiveness, and ease of access. Well, we've paid more attention to how we get it and less about what's in it. And I think culturally as it's happened, um, it's been easy to forget the effect that what we eat has on our bodies. Does God care about what we eat? Yeah, God cares about what we eat. If it's his body, he's concerned about what you put into it, right? Did God make food? Yes. Does God want food to be something that's good, that's something we enjoy? Yes. Have you had Tex-Mex in Texas? Yeah, you know that God made food to be good and it's something that we should enjoy. But what parameters does he put around that? So let's stay in 1 Corinthians and let's go over to chapter 10, verse 21. Um, So, actually I believe that's verse 31. Um, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So he frames food. Paul frames food in the same way he's framed everything else. And the reason that it's almost impossible to take this text out of context is it says what? Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So how do we take something like nutrition and frame that and give ourselves a grid for what we eat by doing it to the glory of God? What does that look like? For me, that looks like being intentional about what I eat. Am I eating this because it's good for me and am I doing this for the glory of God? And the things that have helped me do that, honestly, the first one is just making good choices. And here's what I mean by that. Um, if it's healthy and it tastes like cardboard, I'm not going to eat it, right? Like I'm not going back there. So what I've done is I have intentionally looked for, okay, what are things I like that are healthy? Like I don't need to make myself miserable to honor God in this area, right? Like we live in a health conscious culture. It's easy to find stuff that's healthy that tastes good. So that's what I've tried to do is what are things that I personally enjoy? Okay, and that just makes it easy for me to eat them. It makes it easy to make good decisions. The second thing I've done is looked at motivation. Where with my diet, with what I put in my body, I have temporary motivation. I see temporary results. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I ate terribly in college, like I think most of us did. Like jack-in-the-box. You could literally eat six tacos for the change I would find in the bottom of my truck. It was awesome. 
Um, and it would be 1.30 a.m. and it was fine. Um, but man, as I've kind of gotten older and grown up, I was like, man, okay, this is starting, my body's processing this differently. I, I need to clean up what I eat. And it was really easy because it was during hockey season this year. And I also found out after taking a few years off, hockey at 29 and hockey at 20 were kind of different. So I was like, man, I want to do this better. I need to eat better so I can play hockey better. Guess what happened when hockey season was over a couple months ago? 10.30 p.m., uh, Ice cream runs at Dylan's were another part of my schedule again, right? Because I had a temporary motivation. As soon as that thing was done, I was back to eating things that really probably didn't honor God with the way I was eating. However, where I have an eternal motivation, where I am thinking through what I eat, not because of how it's going to make me look or how I'm going to perform or how much it costs or if it tastes good, but when I think about what I eat in the context of does this glorify God? Because as a Christian, I want everything I do to glorify God, no matter how big or small it may seem, where my heart is pursuing Christ, I want to glorify him. And when that's the framework I look at food through, I make better choices longer because it's not about me. Nick, you know, I've known a number of people that, uh, that say, you know what, whatever I do, if I give glory to God and my heart is good in the decision, it's all okay. <clears throat> what? Scripture has uh, some boundaries set out in that. And there's some things that we need to understand about the choices, about whether it's a wise choice, whether it's not so wise. And we can go to uh, chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. And... At verse 12, there is a, uh, an important concept. The verse says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Take a look at this, uh, this next picture for, on the slide, and I want you to guess which pastor belongs to which photo. I'm not in either one of these pictures. <laughs> obviously, obviously we have changed. None of us look like we used to when we were younger. JD's the minstrel, and uh, and I'm on the left. This is a picture of me in the early 20s. That's JD in his early 20s. When you say early 20s, do you mean the year? Early early 20s. <laughs> we all change. We all change. And what's more important is our health changes. Some of us have health problems. Some of us have physical problems. The the fact of the matter is, regardless of who we are. Or how we have done, what kind of state of health we're in, we've got a decision to make. Do our health choices honor God or not? Are they dishonorable? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Hello, my name is Frank. I love food. I love everything about food. I love the smell of food. I love the taste of food. I just flat love food. But honestly, over 30 years since that picture was taken, it's had a few changes in my life. And so I had to, I had to think, what is it that I've got that led me to the state I'm in? I used to feel that I didn't have a knowledge problem when it came to nutrition. I really thought that it was a self-control, that it was a willpower issue. And there is some of that. I'm, I'm not discounting that at all. You know, I knew about the basics. I knew about the four food groups. Now it's a food It may be more than a food pyramid. Now. Yeah, it's new. But the fact <clears> of the matter is I, I knew what the basics were. I knew what I had to be doing. So it, it, it had to be a willpower problem. You know, what I was eating affected me in, in a profound way. I didn't understand nutrient-rich foods. I didn't understand what, what high-risk substances were, what chemicals were doing to me, what preservatives were doing, what the combination of food choices were doing. For a long time, I simply was operating out of the knowledge base that I had, not what true wisdom is. And so my first step was to seek out godly counselors in this area of my life. You know, uh, one of our elders here is Dr. Tag. Dr. Rick Tag is one of um, one of the most trusted people that I know in the area of nutrition, and I respect his opinions. 
He's forgotten more about nutrition than I ever knew. He's passionate about helping others in this area. Um, he's, he wants to help me understand what God's design is for my life in the area of nutrition. And I've learned after uh, studying this subject that I have been eating for pleasure and not for health. My decisions have not been God-honoring. They have honored myself. I have placed myself first in this area for a long time. You know what? When I look at the cost of that, when I look at the financial cost, the physical and emotional cost of that, I have to ask myself, what in the world was I thinking? Why would I spend money on the things that are not God-honoring or health-promoting? You know, let me show you what I mean about nutrition. I, here's what a typical family in the United States eats in a week. Take a good look. You'll see your pantry in there. I see my pantry in there often. It's filled with pizza and processed foods and snack foods, and there's some Coke in the back. I, I really like that. Everything in that picture screams my name. Let's look at Italy. A Mediterranean diet looks different. The people in the picture look physically different than us. And I suggest that there's a good reason why. Now, let's take a look at Egypt. This is a family. You look at the size of that family. This is what that family eats in a week, the typical Egyptian family. You'll see uh, fruits and vegetables and uh, not a lot of meat. The next picture we have is of Ecuador. And you see a pattern starting to develop about other families in other parts of the world that are not as technologically advanced as we are, that don't have what we have. Let's go to Bhutan. Anybody know where Bhutan is? I had to look it up. It's just west of China uh, in uh, the western part of Asia. Again, this diet looks vastly uh, different than what we're used to consuming in the United States. The last picture I want to show you is, uh, is Chad. You've heard of Chad. This is a country in central northern Africa, right below um, Libya and just west of the Sudan. Uh, it's a country with a lot of strife in it right now. Look at the amount of food that they have compared to what you saw in the American pantry. It's vastly different. You see, when I learn about good nutrition, I've got to admit that I've been living far too long with making very poor decisions. Honoring God with our bodies by making good nutritional decisions starts with gaining wisdom and knowledge of God's plan for our lives. We can all make better choices and embrace God's desire that we enjoy food and become better stewards uh, of our body to His glory. Uh, so, Nick, you know, I, I really thank God for, uh, for wise counsel, for good friends who are helping me take this step. Nutrition is one area where our choices can honor desire, honor God. It's as simple as that. But so does lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we look at nutrition as kind of that building block for a healthy life that is is one that where we live into God's best for us. And, and while nutrition is a building block, kind of habits and lifestyle are another huge part of that. And listen, there's not a prescriptive lifestyle and rhythm in Scripture because lifestyle habits are a morally neutral culturally diverse reality we all live in, right? Like we live different day-to-day lives than people in Bhutan, um, than people in South America, than people in China, than people in Africa, simply because of who we are and where we were born. Um, so man, our lifestyle is no worse or no better than another one. However, it is a lifestyle that we can look at like everything. It's something that we used to honor God or dishonor God uh, in the aspect of our health. So when you think about the American lifestyle, listen, we are a more sedentary people than we have ever been in the history of humanity. 
Um, that's honestly a byproduct of the cultural um, shift that happened in the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution, right? We have desk jobs. What did we all used to do? For most of human history, everybody was a farmer. It wasn't a question of how much you were going to move around and work out. It was just going to happen. You had to to eat. That's changed over time. So we kind of live a more sedentary lifestyle. More than likely, odds are, what you do for eight hours a day probably does not involve as much physical activity as it would have had you been born 100 years ago. So what do we do with that? And that means that we need to look at our time when we get home in our lifestyle and say, how is this helping me honor God with my health or dishonoring God for my health? For me, a couple of things have changed for that. One of them is screens. Uh, Where I'm on a screen, I'm sitting down. Whether that's television, laptop, smartphone, iPad, um, whatever it is, I'm sitting down. And honestly, now studies show that 80% of the people that watch television do it while they're looking at another screen. So you've got the TV and the smartphone, the TV and the iPad, the TV and the laptop, okay? So what happens with that is, and advertisers have keyed into this because we are such a screen-driven people that keeps us sitting down. When I turn those things off, not only am I more likely to emotionally and spiritually engage my family, I'm more likely to physically engage them, play with my kid outside, you know, walk around the block, go do something. That's more likely for me when I shut that stuff off. Here's the other thing. That's video games. That's a screen thing. Um, Man, it's digital people on a screen, right? And listen, I say this as someone who has played video games too much. Eight hours of Call of Duty, not God-honoring, not healthy, um, just not a good idea. My marriage, my health life, my spiritual life exponentially got healthier when we got rid of the video game system in our house. I'm not telling you to get rid of your video game system. I'm saying that it's worth looking at that aspect of your life um, and saying, does this honor God or dishonor God? And it also ties into sleep, Frank. I think as we kind of look at lifestyle, if you're up till 3 a.m., you aren't healthy. You are less likely to be focused and ready for the day. Um, My challenge to you would be, and and I found this true in my life, go to bed an hour earlier and wake up an hour earlier and see how you feel. Yeah. You know, the world also tells us that to make any positive change in our life, starts from within us, uh, that we're responsible for our own destiny. While it is true that any positive change first depends upon uh, our will to make a change and then finding knowledge and wisdom for that, Scripture tells us and reinforces that we are to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some in, uh, incredibly useful books. A caution, though, you can go in any bookstore, any library, and go to the self-help section and see tons of books that start something like The Seven Habits of a Successful Whatever or The Ten Steps to or The Secrets to a Successful Life. There's all this information out there. Much of it is good wisdom, but I want to urge you that we will find in Scripture The mindset that we need starts with renewing our mind. First, what the Word of God has to say, and then applying biblical concepts to choices that we make. You know, we started out with nutrition, talking about it's a knowledge issue. And the same thing is true with our lifestyle choices. It is a knowledge issue. But you know what? There's a second step. And I think it comes with prayer. That is the single best thing that we can do for one another. For me to pray for you for you to pray for each other, for you to pray for yourself when it comes to first obtaining godly wisdom that you can apply to these kinds of decisions and then seeking the help of the Holy Spirit to apply them and give God glory. You know, anytime we place Jesus first, we're, we're bound to take good steps. You know, let me give you a, a grid. In addition to the example set forth by uh, John in uh, Third John, 
Verse 2, he says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. He's praying for others. And there's a grid that I want to suggest to you about prayer. And the first part of that grid is this. Consider eternity. What's the end for Christians? Eternal life with God in heaven. We know that everything must be done with the underpinning that everything in this life, all of our activities have eternal significance. Nothing that we do in this life is for this life alone. Whether we're preachers, teachers, business people, politicians, I don't care what you do in life, everything has eternal significance. And it's important for us to understand that. Second thing about prayer is to pray in line with putting first things first. What do I mean by that? I mean putting God first. You know, as Christians, we know this means putting God's first. We can go to the example that's set in, uh, in Exodus in chapter 20 uh, when it says that we're to have no other gods before him. We understand what that means in our mind, in our lifestyle. We're so far from that. There, if I look in your, uh, in your checkbook or your day timer or in mine, I know what I place first before God. I know what my idol is. I suggest that prayer about this subject is important. The next thing is to put second things second. Well, what do I mean by that? Others first. When we think in this order, we reduce the chances of holding on to our own interests. And, and Paul tells us about that in, in Philippians, that we should look out for the interests of others as well as our own. But when we place others first, we make godly choices that are based upon biblical principles. In other words, our habits and our lifestyle look, are looked at in a different way. When we do this, it requires us to look at things from a servant-minded point of view. You know, a servant has no rights of his own. We should be willing to lose our own position in favor of another. After all, we're not our own. When we set our habits and our lifestyles around this concept, we start to make godly choices. And I suggest we pray about that. And the, the uh, third area that we can pray over is this concept. Understanding others first is a priority over being understood. That comes later. You know, that's part and parcel of what we've been talking about so far. Isn't this really the basis for successful relationships? Well, it's uh, when we pray for each other in this way, and we pray seeking God's wisdom for that in our own lives, we start to develop better lifestyle, better habits when we center it around this kind of, of prayer. You know, we can't serve others first if we're thinking of ourselves. This has everything to do with good, positive health. Think of all the areas of health that are affected by choices that are governed by this kind of, uh, of principle. And then last, I suggest that we pray for each other in community. That we don't... Ice. You know, if we look at um, some of our favorite characters in Scripture, we always see them with someone else. Consider Moses. He's got his brother, Aaron. Consider Elijah and Elijah. Paul and Silas. The fact of the matter is we are designed for community. God made us that way. We grow better when we're in community. It's really hard to love somebody else when we're isolated. We serve others better in community. It's a simple fact. I suggest we start praying for each other in community as well. You know, a healthy person has a greater capacity to serve, and it's, it's a circle that we need to understand. As we, uh, as we look at these areas of nutrition and lifestyle, extremes are harmful. Balance is the key. And I want to suggest 
balance and godly wisdom in another area that we never talk about in church. That's sex. Yeah, and I think that's um, one that maybe could be even surprising. That Man, why is this coming up in, in, a, in a sermon where we're looking at areas of our life that relate to health? And I think it's because um, we don't always hear a lot about it in church, but sometimes when we do, it's, it's framed in a negative context, right? Don't do this, don't do this. Guilt, shame, don't do this or else. And while there are healthy boundaries God's put around sex, there, and like anything, you can use sex to dishonor God. You can also use it to honor God. Sex was originally created by God to be good. It was created to be a part of a healthy marriage, right? Physical, emotional, spiritual health. Sex is an aspect of that. When we look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we see that it says, therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one. I'm sorry. They shall become one flesh. We should enjoy sex in the confines of marriage. When that happens, that is a part of a healthy life that honors God. We should be having sex in marriage. That's something that we should be doing. It is good for our health. You know, we're created as sexual beings, male, female. We can certainly rejoice in that. God's gift of sexual expression is a positive that the world twists in, into a negative with the way things are perverted. Look at Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Uh, you know, medical research shows us that some of the most common causes for cancers um, are sexually transmitted diseases. This is preventable with God's context of one partner, man, one man, one woman in marriage for life. So you see, our choices regarding sex should honor God. God is the giver of sex, and we enjoy the blessings of sex. We enjoy the blessings of life that comes through that when we make decisions that are God-honoring and that it happens in the context and in the manner that it was designed for. So our choices regarding sex ought to honor God just like all these other choices dealing with our health. That's what it was designed for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the last area we want to take a look at is one that uh, uh, I don't like real well, uh, fitness. Yeah, and I think to round it out with uh, looking at fitness, that is a key area of our life. And again, I want to caution us to not take this um, too far in either direction because I think some of us can look at fitness and say, man, I don't need to exercise. Why Why do I need to exercise? I'm spiritual. I'm holy. I'm too mature of a Christian to need to worry about exercise. That's a problem because, again, when we do that, what we do is we separate the physical from the spiritual. That's not good because the physical and the spiritual are connected. If we're mature Christians, we understand that taking care of our body is an obedient step we take to glory. God, and it's something we should do. But we also take it too far the other way, which is where I've been before, and it goes back to motivation. Fitness should honor God. Look in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. Paul writes, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Why is he talking about disciplining his body and keeping it under control? It's not so that he can look good. It's not so he can have a hot Facebook profile picture. It's not that he can attract a lot of um, a lot of dates, right? It's not for that. Why? It's so he can't be disqualified after preaching to others. His body and discipline of his body goes back to his calling to preach the gospel and glorify God. When we make fitness about us, we're taking it to a place that doesn't honor God. So again, during hockey season, it's a lot easier for me to want to go work out so that I can be good at this. That's fitness that's about me. That's not honoring my body for Christ. That's honoring my body for me. And that's not what we're called to as Christians. Yeah. You know, I had a drill instructor that uh, used to say, well, he actually didn't say, he yelled it right in our face. He said, don't cheat your body. And then went on to say one more thing. You dishonor God and core when you do. And it, it kind of sets out an important part. It's what we're talking about here. Our decisions don't just affect ourselves. 
for my drill instructor, uh, he believed two things with that statement. One, that what we did with our bodies honored God. And two, what we did with our bodies also honored others. And that's an important concept for us to understand. Our nutrition, our lifestyle, our fitness. These can be issues that keep us from growing in Christ. Fitness is the kind of area that we always put last. uh, It's because we don't like some of the uh, things associated with that. But it also, when we give glory to God in this, uh, by putting fitness first, by putting food first, and we add Christ and give glory to God in this, and when we put it in proper order, we can be healthier, we can be wiser, and we can be there for God. We can be there for our families, we can be there for our fellowship, and uh, we'd be there for our communities, and, and that's important. You know, it's not just about what we look like. It's not about our weight loss. It's about the overall benefits of taking care of ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, when we surrender everything to God, and we put everything in God's hands, we, we do have so much more self-control. And for me, I want to take good care of myself. Uh, Jesus becomes the focus then, not me. When we make those kind of choices, then it becomes worship. And I think this, this uh, whole subject can be wrapped into uh, a verse that we find in Romans 12.1. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Yeah, absolutely. And because everything that we do will honor or dishonor God, because as Christians we have an opportunity to honor God with everything that we have and everything that we do, Uh, we should pay attention to our health because God has given us our health. He hasn't given it to us to waste. He's given it to us to steward. Remember, everyone should be good stewards of their health because we are called to honor God with our bodies. And because we are called to honor God with our bodies, I think that it honors God when we take a look at where we are. So what I would challenge us to do was to look at these four areas and, and see, man, where in this grid am I knocking it out of the park? Where can I look at these four areas and say, God is working through me in this area? I see God glorified. I see a legacy affected. I see myself growing into the will of God in my life in these areas. And we should be encouraged in that. And we should praise God for that. Then I think we should look at these four areas and say, okay, is there anything in this grid that I need to do differently? Is there anything I could work on? And where we see that, we need to apply the truth of Scripture. And in this specific instance, I I think that the thing I like about what we came up with is there are three things that we want to call you to. If you don't do all of them, none of them really work. And here's what I mean. Of those three things, we want you to honor God with your body. Okay, we don't want your body to become something that you compartmentalize and say everything that's spiritual is over here and everything that's physical is over here, right? First century heresy, not where we want to go. But we want to honor God with our bodies. This is from God. He's given it to me. I want to take care of it. We want to do that, though, while seeking Jesus. Because if we're just honoring God with our body and focused on our body for our own sake, this just turned into a P90X commercial with a musical interlude, right? And that's not what God's called us to. God's called us to honor our bodies while pursuing Christ. And what that does, that frames what we do in worship. It's eternal and it's about God and others, not about us. And then finally, we want to do it in community. Everything I do where I need to change is sharpened by being in community. Because I have people that see my blind spots, that can call me when I'm being stubborn or arrogant or or even well-intentioned, misguided. You know, I have people in my life that can call and expose those things. So where we can honor God with our bodies while seeking Christ in community, I believe that we will see this area of our lives expand in how we treat it. You know, Nick, I think we've just scratched the surface uh, with this kind of subject. And it's something we need to carry on. The conversation has to continue uh, for most of us. 
quite frankly, we're not making godly decisions in the area of health. So as a church, um, there's more that we can do. I want to suggest a a next step for you. As part of Finding Hope this summer, we're going to offer a a small group study called Life's Healing Choices. It's written by a man uh, named John Baker. He was one of the founders of Celebrate Recovery. And it takes a look at how we make choices, what's the basis of our choices, how they affect us, how they affect others, and gives us a grid for analyzing the kinds of things that we've been talking about tonight. And so if this is an area that you struggle with as well, right along with me, I suggest you look at this. Go online to our events page, fbctopeka.com slash events or slash Finding Hope, and you'll find a registration link for this. You'll find more information about this. Let me pray for you. Father, uh, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in the life of our church. But, Father, I pray for everyone sitting here tonight. I pray for godly wisdom, that your Holy Spirit fill them with your wisdom and crowd out the, the, the things the world is calling knowledge and wisdom and draw them close to you, draw them close to your Son. Father, uh, help us to pray Help us to pray in an understanding way for our brothers, our friends, our family, especially in the areas of health decision, with our nutrition and with our health and with our lifestyle choices. And, Father, bless our relationships with our spouses, sexually and otherwise, Father. May they be all you intend them to be. Father, I pray that you be with us tonight as we go our separate ways. And uh, we love you. We lift your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.